This Christmas, you've reached out and connected with your loved ones when love matters most. Putting a smile on their faces and sending from the heart. You've sent love all over Ireland and all around the world too. So from all of us at On Post, we're wishing you and yours a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. On Post, for your world. Mama Mystery. This is episode 39. We are talking today about Todd Colehep. Todd Colehep, and my name is Austin Evans, and I'm a co-host. And I am your host, Kelly. And first, We're I... husband and wife. <laughs> yeah. Um, we are. Anything Kel- else? Kelly's a crime fanatic. A crime I'm fanatic. not, so if this is your first time listening... I'm not a big crime person, but this is super weird because Kelly started having me on this podcast just to tell the stories to, and now I've become gradually more interested. Yeah, how about that, Austin? Yep, Kelly brings out the the spooky. The crime in, in you. <laughs> okay, yikes. Let's get into the show. So, before I get started, I want to thank our newest Patreons. We have a few to thank. So, Clarissa Mann, Justine, Haley Chambers, Beth Davis, and Jessica Hoffman. Thank you so much for joining our Patreon. Guys, we really appreciate the Patreon support. It gives us a few bucks, and we really do appreciate it. (laughs) It gives us big support. We appreciate, just like the Patreons, all the shout-outs. The podcast is growing due to you guys. Yes, and we had a huge um, giveaway on Instagram. Hillary Phillips won. She won a delicious-smelling true crime candle from Southern Soy. Real blood on it, too, which is weird. (laughs) It had, like, little red wax splatters on it to make it look like blood. But um, anyway, if you want your own, you can go to Southern Soy. They have an Instagram and an Etsy shop. She also won a hoodie that says true crime... Junkie, I think, on the front. Shoot, I'm like blanking right now. And the hoodie has blood stains also. It doesn't. That doesn't. That would be weird. But it's Sincerely Sarah Shirts. Um, Also Instagram, also Etsy. So, yeah, go check them out. I tagged them on my page. If you join the Patreon, just real quick, you get early access to episodes, you get scripts, and then you also get stickers designed by Kelly that also have real blood stains on them from the murders we actually discuss. Nothing has real blood. Can we just put that out there? Um, We're going to go ahead and get started with that. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to warn you. This story is rough from the very get-go. There is no easing into this tale. It is rough from the start. So here we go. The one thing I want you to think about, and I want to hear your take, if you listen to this and you want to go comment on our Instagram page, I feel like this is a story that really begs the question, are people born bad? Or do they become bad over time due to their circumstance? It's both. I think there's probably a you know an argument for both. I, I, but do you believe people can be born bad? No. Okay. No. But I believe that people can be born with mental issues. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and talk about this story, then we'll we'll venture back to that discussion. Mental after, issues that are bad. Not everybody with a born with a mental issue is bad. Well, sure. No. Yeah. I think they know what we're talking about. Okay, so Todd Kolhep was born on March 7th, 1971 in Florida, but he was raised in South Carolina and Georgia. His dad, William Samsel, a military veteran, left when Todd was only two months old. So he was raised by his mom, Regina, or Reggie, Tague. 
She remarried when Todd was about five years old to a man with kids named Carl Kolhep. So he was raised with some step-siblings and adopted by Carl. So he took his last name. Growing up, Todd had an unhealthy relationship with his stepfather, would make comments about wishing he could live with his biological dad, even though he hadn't seen him or know who, known like who he was his entire life. But I guess some of those hard feelings started when his stepdad would pick his step-siblings up from school, but not Todd. Todd was a bit of a troublesome kid. He was known to be aggressive towards other kids, and if he didn't get what he wanted, he was quick to just turn to violence. He would throw sand. He would damage other kids' property. One time on the school bus, Todd took a pair of scissors scissors, and stabbed a little girl in the leg because she made what? him mad. Lunatic Todd. Yikes. So another time, he had begged his mom for a hamster, and she told him, no, Todd, you have this pet fish. We're not getting you a hamster. Like, you already have a pet. So he took his goldfish out and um, put it in Clorox bleach. Murdered a goldfish. At how old? I don't know, but he was a kid. What if the episode right now, that was the end of it. The guy murdered a freaking hamster. Austin. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Austin, don't be silly. (laughs) He also reportedly shot a dog with a BB gun for no reason. Good Lord, Jandis. And he was kicked out of Boy Scouts for always being disruptive. Now, if you have followed true crime and you know anything about it, Austin, I know you kind of don't, but it's a huge red flag when a kid is abusive towards animals because that is kind of where it starts for a lot of serial killers. They I, start I have seen that. Yeah, they abuse animals, yeah. and then the thrill of that just, you know, it uh, grows, multiplies, and then they think the next bigger thrill is going to be humans. So often you see it where they abuse animals in the beginning. So while living in Georgia, he spent three and a half months in a mental hospital because he just couldn't seem to control his anger or get along with other kids. So his mom truly tried to get him counseling and help, but it just didn't seem to help him. At the age of nine, the counselor said that he was explosive and, quote, preoccupied with sexual content. Age nine. Age nine. Yeah. Then when Todd was about 12 years old, his biological father showed up one day out of the blue and Todd really wanted to go live with his dad, but Reggie was not quick to just like let him go. Um, And in fact, to try and coerce him into staying, she went out and bought him all new furniture for his bedroom. And in response, Todd took a claw hammer to the furniture and destroyed it all. Good Lord, this kid just has yeah. got serious problems. Serious issues. So Reggie feared for her life and would lock Todd in his bedroom at night and then lock herself in her bedroom in an attempt to keep them both safe. But eventually she gave in and let him go live with his dad. So it was expected that Todd was going to spend a school year with his dad out in Tempe, Arizona. Is it Tempe or Tempe? We're just going to call it Temp. Okay, Temp, Arizona. But Todd was almost immediately let down when his dad left him at home alone for days at a time. He would say he was going on business trips. It was rumored he was actually going out and spending time with his girlfriends. He just kind of abandoned him. So in 1986, when Todd was about 15, he was left at home for a few days when he went to this girl's house down the street. It was a girl he apparently had a crush on. She was 14 at the time. He kidnapped her from her house at gunpoint, brought her to his house, tied her hands with rope, put duct tape over her mouth. 
He raped her and held her there until finally letting her go. He walked her back home and told her that if she told anyone, he would kill her little brother and sister. But someone did call the police, and when they came to Todd's house, they found him with a rifle just, like, pointed at the ceiling. And his first response to the police was, how much time am I going to get for this? And he later explained that he was just doing it out of anger towards his father for leaving him to spend time with his girlfriends. I just have, like, jaw-drop reaction, guys. Like, I don't even have anything to say. Whether or not his dad was actually out with girlfriends at the time is unknown because he claimed he was on a business trip. But either way, Todd has serious anger issues, and he was only 15 at the time. So was it wise to leave him at home regardless of the reason? No. 15 years old, how much time am I doing? Yeah. I mean, this kid, yeah, it's just problems from the get-go. So... Todd ended up getting tried as an adult for the rape of this girl. And during his psychiatric evaluation, he appeared to show deep emotional disturbance, but not psychosis. He showed signs of ego inflation, extreme rebellion against authority. The doctor also wrote that the only emotion Todd was capable of showing was anger. His IQ was tested and he scored a 118, which is above average. But despite being intelligent, his grades really suffered, likely because he couldn't stand authority. So when Todd was in jail, none of his parents wanted to claim him at first. His mom received letters from Todd expressing his regret, but she told his probation officer that she didn't believe him and that he simply wanted to get out and have his weapons shipped to South Carolina. And she could see through his half-ass apologies and knew he was just saying like what they wanted to hear. So he spent a while in there going back and forth while in jail, um, going back and forth with the court. Eventually the case was resolved when Todd agreed to plead guilty to kidnapping in exchange for the sexual assault charges being dropped, which is a huge miscarriage of justice. By I was the way. just going to say, does that seem fair? No. Okay. Not I didn't think bit. so, but I don't know how this stuff's handled. The judge had a hard time deciding what to do with Todd because their juvenile detention program was overflowing and a juvenile probation officer recommended that he receive adult incarceration stating, quote, it is highly unlikely that a problem that has existed since he was approximately 15 months old can be cured in less than three years treatment, unquote. So ultimately, Todd was sentenced to 15 years without the possibility of parole when he was just 15 years old. And that was for the kidnapping charge. So he served it. Yes. <clears throat> he, he did serve it. Two months after he was admitted, um, he was in trouble for disobeying. I, I say admitted, like admitted to the prison. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in trouble for disobeying orders. For a few years, he continued getting in trouble for things like fighting, destroying property, stealing, and being absent. But then by the time Todd was about 20, he finally seemed to kind of figure it out and didn't commit any other offense for 10 years while he served the rest of his sentence. God, you talk about can you be born bad in the very beginning. Yeah. It's like, uh, okay, well, maybe. I don't know. I feel like this is a good example of it. That's why I brought that up. Yeah. So in uh, 2001, he was released, and he moved back with his mom, who at this time was divorced from Todd's stepfather. He had to register as a sex offender and quickly got a job as a graphic designer for an athletic wear company. 
He worked there for a couple years, and in November of 2003, he went into a shop called Superbike Motorsports with the intent to return a motorcycle. Four people were inside the shop. It was the 30-year-old shop owner, Scott Ponder, his 52-year-old mother, Beverly Guy, a 30-year-old service manager, Brian Lucas, and 26-year-old mechanic, Chris Sherbert. When Todd came into the store to return the bike, apparently they, they made fun of him for not knowing how to ride it, and they laughed at him and like made jokes at his expense, which sent Todd into a rage, and he ended up shooting and killing every single person in the shop that day. Todd left the scene, and the bodies of the vic- victims weren't found until later that day when a customer came to the store that afternoon. For years, the case went unsolved, and nobody had any idea that it was Todd Kolhep that whole time. What year is this, Kelly? 2001. No cameras well, in the store or anything? He got out of prison in 2001, and then the... Um, this was shortly after. The, yeah, the, the murder was in 2003, I believe. So no cameras, um, and for years, theories ran wild. One theory even involved the Mexican drug cartel. He literally left no evidence behind, and there were no surveillance cameras in the shop. So, Yeah, and a lot of people were kind of talked about as suspects, but nobody ever thought Todd Kolhep. They even went and looked at the, like, the manifesto on that day, like all the customers that had come in that day, phone calls. So this and dude goes. Todd was on the list, but they just never suspected him. That's nuts. Yeah. So meanwhile, after the murder, um, Todd got into real estate. And in 2006, he applied for his South Carolina real estate license, lying on his application about being a sex offender. He just completely omitted that fact. And at the time, the applications didn't require a background check. So when he admitted that he had a felony on on his record, he said it was for kidnapping but explained that it was just a big misunderstanding. He wrote that it was because of a heated argument that he had with a girlfriend. And he said during their argument that, I guess, their dog got out. So they went and looked for the dog, which took hours, and then the girlfriend's parents got so worried, they called the police, and it was basically the parents pressing the kidnapping charges against him. So he just kind of lied his whole way through it. Right. His license was approved, and Todd worked as a real estate broker for another company while he built his own business that he later called TKA Real Estate. TKA Real Estate went on to have about a dozen employees, and Todd was doing really well. Mortgage lenders described him as an effective communicator and a pleasure to talk with when it comes to getting deals done for his clients. One builder even described him as incredibly personable. Then in 2013, Todd earned his pilot's license, although it's unclear what he used it for other than maybe just to, like, fulfill a childhood fantasy or something. Mm -hmm. But not everybody had a great recommendation for Todd. Some people who had business dealings with him described him as domineering, egocentric, a bragger who talked about his BMWs, guns, and how well he knew how to shoot them. One man, Michael Foster, who works as a pastor for a Presbyterian church, rented a house from Todd and described him as, quote, a creepy dude and just someone who makes everything about himself, someone that just talks a lot about money and a lot about how, peop- how many people work for him, end quote. 
In 2014, Todd bought 95 acres of land for about $305,000. So real quick. Yeah. We're about 10 years out from knowingly that he did any. Yes. Uh, whatever. You get what I'm trying to say. Yes. We're about 10 years out from his last crime that we know of. Yes. Okay. So he bought 95 acres of land. And making like a decent life for himself. Yeah. He has his own business Doing now. well. He's, yeah. He has somehow. Kind of flipped the script. Yeah. What the heck? Okay. Yeah. Totally flipped the script. Um, so he bought this 95 acre piece of land and then he immediately put a chain link fence around the entire property. The fence alone cost about 80 grand and the seller of the land remembered Todd wanting nothing to do with anybody and found it strange that he just wanted the land with like no, no real intent of doing anything with it because he had a home and he only had this land for his storage storage shed and a storage container. So there was no home or anything on the property. Then Spartanburg County investigators caught wind of some disturbing internet activity. On Amazon, an account under the name Todd Colehep showed purchases for things like padlocks, tactical gear, targets, knives, creeper shit, gun accessories, and books about snipers and emergency war surgery. Under some of the items that he purchased, he was leaving reviews, and one review was uh, for a knife dated September 13th of 2014, and it says, quote, haven't stabbed anyone yet, dot, 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 yet, dot, 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 but I am keeping the dream alive, and when I do, it will be with a quality tool like this. What? Okay, before you said the creepy review part, Mm -hmm. I was just thinking this. I've gone on, you probably know this about me, I go on really weird spurts with stuff. And I've been in spurts of my life where, like, I'm hardcore down rabbit holes researching sniper rifles or SCAR AR-15s. I, I don't think anyone's going to really be able to relate to that on this podcast. Not on this podcast, but, like, I'll get real into it. And now thinking about that, I think of how freaking weird I look. Yeah, I feel like that probably threw up some red flags on, like, some surveillance. Like, I'm, like, tricked out Remington 700. Yeah. Can shoot X number. And then I sit there and I almost buy it. And then I think, why would I ever need this? This is the stupidest thing ever. And I get out of it. Thank you. I haven't bought one, so you're good to know that, babe. Thank you, Austin. So, um, thank you for that input to the show. Back no, I do appreciate it. I mean, it, it is interesting how, you know, like, babe, check out my search history. It's like oh, crime shit. scenes and it's yeah. all these random things. Like I'm, i how to get away with washing blood or no, no, I'm I, just I don't search for those <laughs> things, but I did search for something the other day and I can't remember what it was. Now it's going to drive me crazy, but I just remember thinking in my head, like how psycho I probably looked googling this thing but it was, you, it was for the podcast if you ever really want to throw off like if you ever really want to catch your significant other or just anyone for that matter off guard go to their google just go and check click out on the bar history. and see what pops up oh yikes that's gotten me into some trouble yeah we don't I got talk caught about looking it here. Up machine gun kelly it's a whole thing we're not going to talk about it right now anyway so in another review for a shovel with a foldable handle the the user, Todd Colehep, Colehep, wrote, quote, keep in car for when you have to hide the bodies and you left the full-size shovel at home. Does not come with a midget, which would have been nice. And this guy's a weirdo. Just weird. And, and got weird fantasies he obviously has slash wants to fulfill. You know, it'd be one thing if you hadn't killed people. Like, maybe you just got a weird drive. 
sense of humor that I just don't really fully get. Which but, still isn't funny. But you, you've killed people, dude. Like, you can't make jokes about killing people if you've done Haven't it. Haven't killed anybody yet. Yikes. Yet. That's weird. Yeah. Anyway, so then on August 31st, 2016, Kayla Brown and her boyfriend, Charlie Carver, went, <clears throat> excuse me, went missing. The pair was dating, and their disappearance was immediately suspicious when they both stopped answering calls and texts, and Kayla left her dog unattended in her apartment. It was totally out of character. Who just leaves their dog with, like, you know, I mean, obviously they didn't just run away. The search for the pair went on for weeks until finally their last cell phone activity led them to Todd Kolhep's house. So apparently Kayla had cleaned for Todd a few times before, Um, because he had some real estate properties and before he would go to sell them, he'd have them cleaned. So Kayla would be the one cleaning and she never, never found his behavior as odd or anything like that. It was strictly a business relationship. So, um, on the day that she and Charlie went missing, they were supposed to come clear some brush for Todd on that big 95 acre property. And she went to Todd's house to get the keys to the property. Um, and she was supposed to like go out there on her own, but Todd insisted that he lead them out there so that he could unlock the chain link fence that surrounded the property and like show them around. So once he met them there, he unlocked the gate, led them to a storage shed on the property, locking the gate behind them, of course. And this prop or this storage shed is like in the middle of the property. So, um, he brings them out there and Todd had plans of his own that didn't include clearing the brush. I'm sure you probably already know that. He wasted no time before shooting Charlie three times and locking up Kayla in the storage container located next to that storage shed. And this is a storage container that you would see like on a train. It's just Mm -hmm. a big metal box. Two months went by with no sign of Kayla or Charlie Meanwhile, Todd was super vocal and active on social media. He made posts complaining about bad drivers, issues with his BMW getting serviced, and complaints about mortgage lenders that he had to work with. He posted a picture of his youth or of a youth baseball team that his company sponsored. On September 6th, he shared that Labor Day was over and it was, quote, time to get some some houses sold. So he's just going on with life as normal while Kayla is locked up in a storage container on his property. What the heck? On September 15th, he posted his opinion that usually people go missing or people who go missing are often cases of people going to the beach with a friend or a woman found with a boyfriend on a parole violation. So he's, it's almost like he's kind of taunting, you know, like he knows people are out there looking for Kayla and Charlie and he, He's making these comments like as if it's about them and as as if he has nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, He said, quote, in the event that I become missing, please note, no one would take me. I eat way too much and I am crabby. They would just bring me back or give me 20 bucks for a cab ride. End quote. So I don't don't know. He thinks he's funny. I don't find it funny at all. Not at all. But it's just. I wouldn't even find it funny if he wasn't a killer. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Not only are you not funny because you're a murderer, you're just not funny. You You suck. suck. Oh, we just said that at the same time. (laughs) So when law enforcement finally put the pieces together, they were able to trace Kayla and Charlie's cell phone locations to um, Todd's house. 
and also the 95-acre property. So they have some police who go to Todd's house to talk with him, and at the same time, they have police who are going out to his land. They come upon the storage container, and they check out the storage shed, and when Kayla hears them, because she's still in that storage container, she starts yelling and banging from the inside, and they are just flipping out. They had no idea what they were going to come upon. So they hear someone from inside this storage container. Mm -hmm. They go into the storage shed and pull out some tools to open up the storage container because it's all chained. Mm -hmm. So they get it unlocked. They find Kayla Brown in the very back of the storage container. She's on a mattress with chains around her neck and ankles. What? Just locked up like a dog. For how long? 65 days. Oh, my God. The discovery was actually captured on video and is available to watch on YouTube. No way. The entire video. Are you serious? Yes. Kayla has since come out and said that she approves of her identity being released and the footage being released in hopes that it will be helpful in the future. She's also gone on Dr. Phil and done interviews. I bet you watched the video, didn't you? I did. Um, and it's creepy. It is kind of upsetting just because, you know, they're going into the storage container and at first all you see is just junk kind of, you know, what you would expect to see in a storage container, I guess, just stuff kind of haphazardly put around. And then in the very, very back. And all I can think of is like, she was in there for 65 days with no sunlight unless he took her out because he would take her out once or twice a day to feed her and then make her do like sexual things. And I'll get to that in just a second. But just the thought, think about that. 65 days, your REM cycle, like your daylight and night like cycles are probably so messed up because you don't see any daylight. Mm -hmm. You're just constantly in pitch black darkness. Mm. I can't imagine that. So Kayla, being just incredibly brave, immediately told police, literally while she's getting the chains cut off her neck with bolt cutters, Mm -hmm. that Charlie David Cotter was shot and killed, that Todd rolled him up in a blue tarp, put him in the bucket of a tractor, and buried him on the property, and that they'd also find more bodies on his property. And sure enough, with this tip, they were able to locate the bodies of Johnny Joe Coxie and his wife, Megan Lee Coxie, both in their 20s, buried on the property. They had been missing since December of 2015. They, too, were hired to do some work on the property, and Todd shot them both. And he killed Johnny first, and then Megan a week later. So, um, real quick about this couple. They disappeared, um, but this was kind of a sad deal because they were they had trouble with the law, trouble with drugs, Megan apparently had a baby that was addicted to heroin, and she had done heroin. So they're not the most upstanding citizens. And when they disappeared, a lot of people thought they just ran off together to just do drugs. But in fact, they actually left a baby behind. And so now this baby has no parents. And it wasn't because they ran off. It was because they were looking for work. And who knows if Megan or Johnny or both of them were trying to find some work to get their life together. I mean, you really just never know. But it's just sad that for this long, people probably assumed that they were just off, you know, living the high life. Mm-hmm. But, in fact, they were buried on this psycho's property. Gosh. So um, Kayla told the police that Todd would have Kayla perform sexual acts on him and that he said he didn't believe in rape. So if she said no... 
he would tell her that she was there for a purpose. And then if she didn't fulfill that purpose, he would get rid of her just like he got rid of people in the past. So she would say no, and he wouldn't force himself on her, which is, you know, not what he did when he was 15. And I mean, you're keeping a girl chained up in a, container so like don't try to push your moral high ground on me right now because i'm not buying it but it's safe to assume though that his motive for killing megan was probably because she wouldn't perform sexually for him Mm -hmm. and apparently she had even told um i guess todd told kayla that he couldn't stand megan's mood swings and that she would just get really she was too much too much to handle And so it doesn't surprise me that Megan probably rejected him and fought back, Mm -hmm. and then he ended up killing her. But Kayla, knowing that he's serious, probably knew how to play this game to stay alive and just, you know, did what he said. What a freak 65 days. Yeah. He also bragged about killing people in the past and said that his dream was to have a list of victims in the three digits, but that right now his number was like in the high double digits. So once they rescued Kayla, they immediately arrested Todd. He later confessed to the killings at the sports bike shop in exchange for allowing him to talk to his mother. While he met with his mom, he admitted to the killings and told her that there were many more victims aside from the ones the cops knew about. And when she asked how many, he said, you do not have enough fingers. Todd Kolhev pled guilty to seven counts of murder, two counts of kidnapping, and one count of criminal sexual assault. He was sentenced to seven life sentences with no possibility of parole. So he's gone. However, we still don't have any information on any past possible victims. There have been some cases that they've tried to tie it to, but ultimately nothing's come of it. He has not admitted to any additional victims. And he's in the double digits, he said. Exactly. Like, he's admitted that there are some out there, but he won't come out and say who they are or where they're from. So, honestly, I don't even know if this guy is just saying it to brag because he thinks it makes him look like Billy Badass to be like, yeah, I've got a body count, the when double I, digits. When I hear this type of thing, this is when I really feel like the death penalty is appropriate, which yeah. I know that might offend some people. I don't care. We can all have our own opinion. That's fine. I just, like... This person has killed double digits of people, has zero remorse, had Let's, people tied up for 65 days in the dark and performing yeah. sexual... I mean, like, make an example. It's really sad that his body count of people he's killed is probably triple, if not quadruple, if not 100 times more than the people he's actually had sex with. And it's really sad that the only way he was able to do that is to force girls into doing that. That's pathetic. You are exactly where you deserve to be. You're in prison for the rest of your life. You're going to rot there. You're going to have nothing but authority constantly over you. You're never going to be able to be a boss or a CEO or a leader of any kind. He's exactly where he needs to be, in a cage where he can just dwindle off and diminish. Yeah, I mean, I know some people say that it's more punishment to be in, you know, a solitary unit for life rather than dead. Yeah, I I feel like certain crimes, it's appropriate to... Do you um, think this is appropriate? I think this is an appropriate crime for the death penalty. Mm -hmm. I also think it's appropriate to let this egocentric, arrogant fool just spend the rest of his life in prison knowing Mm -hmm. he's never going to be able to get out and do anything with his life other than be known as this loser. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. I, I hope he feels like a loser. I, I hope think, he never has I any s- opportunity in prison to have any type of joy or feeling of success or confidence. Like, not that money matters this much, but I sit here and I think like tax dollars are taking care of this guy. Yeah, that's the one thing that gets me when it comes to like life sentences is just that you're a waste. You're just a waste. Which this it feels guy so bad to say that about somebody, but man, it's horrible. Yeah, but somebody like this certainly deserves it. Mm-hmm. And it does beg the question, are people born bad? It seems like he was just bad from the very beginning. And I mean, yeah. how do you re- rehabilitate somebody who has anger issues like this and who acts out and, you know, I mean, I feel violent. like it would have to be, I feel like parents would have to like, I don't even know if this is appropriate to say, but never give up on them, get them medicated. Like, I don't know. There's so, this is a lot of problems in this person. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I can't ima- I can't imagine what he looks like. Yeah. He's just a big, a big Big dude. Love to see him. On yeah, pictures. He's nothing special. I'll put him on the Mama Mystery page, of course, but he's nothing special. Um, so anyway, I don't know. I want to know your thoughts. I do think people can become bad because of their circumstance, but I also think some people really are just born bad. I mm-hmm. mean, there's evil in the world, and it sucks. But yeah. Anyway, um, crazy. Happy I hope you enjoyed Todd. this episode. And uh, go ahead and send me those recommendations. I love it when you guys send me cases that we should follow. Join our Patreon. Keep sharing the cases. Have a great weekend. Mama. Mystery. (laughs) Out. Bye.